Hello and welcome to Super Saturday as a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Damon A. And I'm Jay Hayward. In each episode, we'll be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. In this episode, dear viewers, allow Damon and I to transport you to the year 1986, a time when Ric Flair was NWA champion, MC Hammer just released Feel My Power, and gas, on average, less than a dollar. What the fuck is that about? Less, on average. Highest I saw around like 78 cents. But today, dear viewers, we're not talking about that stuff. We are talking about Man of Steel, issue one. On with the show. Right? Wow. I know. That that blew <laughs> my mind, too. Shit, I'm pissed. Uh, you know what? Anyways, 1986, Man of Steel came out. Okay, so, you know, 1986 was a really big time for comic books. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a year after, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And uh, honestly, this is one of the most pivotal books for in comic book history, I got to say. But you know what? Since we're on the topic of 1986, as you mentioned, as we were getting into the show, do you know what was happening in the comic book world when this book came out, Jay? I most definitely do, Damon. Like you said, there was a lot going on in comics, just a lot going on in the world. Uh, the two things that I found so interesting about it uh, that I didn't know about at the time were the books, uh, or was the release of the books, rather, The Dark Knight Returns, and the first issue of Watchmen came out this year as well. I thought that was crazy. I was like, holy shit. And there was a lot of mm. different reinventions of different characters at the time I saw. Wonder Woman had had issues coming out called Amazon. Uh, Batman yeah. had issues that came out called Dark Knight, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and it, it really showed me that this was an important time because, well, fucking... Both of those titles have movies now. Like, they're movie titles on top of comic books. And I thought that was crazy. When you said, uh, and when you said, by the way, Damon, that this was 1986, uh, and I'd seen it on the issue cover, I blew my mind. Like, it blew my mind. I, I thought it was a much more recent thing than what it was. But that's what I had found. Damon, what did you find besides Crisis? Well, you know what? In all honesty, I kind of cheated on this one. I didn't sit down and like look up any facts. However, no. there's a couple of things I didn't. But you know what? There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about with you, though. Um, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, I know that our whole camaraderie, soups, listeners, is that uh, Jay comes from a more movie background. I come from more of a comic background. And we come together to make this glorious show. That's right. And I... I was wondering, uh, Jay, what was your, like, what was your, uh, when you looked up the facts that you saw, were you just, mi like, what was your, like, reaction to that? Um, were you not expecting this to be, like, a huge year for comics, or were you expecting it to be, like, just something else? I don't know. I want to hear more of that. Well, I didn't think anything in particular about the time. Uh, I had looked up the writer and the colorist. More specifically, I found information on the writer of this, John Bryan, or John, John Byrne. John Byrne. Yeah. Okay. He's I, big. I, yes, he is. He is best known for, I think, around the same time at the 80s, late 80s, uh, Fantastic Four. Yes. Yes. You had X-Men. Yeah, I have X-Men here, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets enough credit for, like, really rein reinventing the modern Superman. Like, when we think Superman... Uh, from a modern lens, we think of this one, not the one from the 30s, 40s, or 60s, or 70s. We think of this one. And, you know, it was just a really uh, pivotal story. And honestly, John Byrne kind of just uh, hit it out the park. And uh, allow me to say, by the way, Damon, before you continue, uh, damn you, damn you, damn you, damn you, for having me read another Superman origin again. Uh, for our listeners at home, Damon is a giant Superman fan. Big, big Superman fan. 
So uh, whenever Damon's had the chance, he has always recommended different shows, different movies, different comics about Superman, other characters as well. But Superman's always been a heavy hitter throughout the years. So we'll, number two is Spider Man. Number two say. is definitely Spider Man. But no, number one Spider Man, Superman number two. But yeah, still big deal, a big deal to Damon. So when I tell you I have heard about, and I have watched, and I have read this origin a million times before, and different variations, um, I was like, oh my goodness, here we are again. But this was my first time seeing where it all comes from. And I did think that mm -hmm. that was very fun and enjoyable and worth the time. But damn you, Damon. Damn <laughs> you. I cannot you know, believe it. <laughs> honestly, I wasn't expecting you to hit me with that. And honestly, I think Superman's origin is one of the origins that I personally, I don't really get tired of seeing a reinvention of it. It's always interesting seeing what people can change on it. Uh, which reminds me, Jay, what was your first introduction to Superman as a character, aside from me like shoving it down your throat? I'm assuming you already knew who Superman was. I mean, everyone does. But yeah, what was your first introduction? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think something that's so interesting about Superman, at least for when I learned about him, was it really wasn't a whole lot from comic books. It was just so much the iconography, you know? Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of superhero stuff as a kid. It really took until I was getting into late elementary school, which, I mean, I still, I guess, young. I guess I'm still a kid, um... But it, it, it took more of the movies. I wasn't so interested in the comics or the shows. Uh, Batman was really the big thing to me. It wasn't until high school I got into learning about other characters, Superman especially. So to me, it was just the fact that other people knew about Superman well enough that I had just learned about Superman inherently, which I feel as though a lot of people probably might have that same experience as well even if they don't really remember it very much, you know? Because Superman is just such a huge character. And that S, I, you know, everyone has said it. So here I am just screaming into the cave. But just how important that iconography has become over time is mm -hmm. astounding. That and the bat symbol and, you know, just, just all, the, all these different characters. But Superman especially... It's just so universally well known. Just be, just from icon alone, just from the symbol alone. Um, so I guess honestly, the very first time I can really remember having any close relation to Superman was maybe in middle school with uh, Donner's films. Mm. The first two, uh, Superman one, and I have not seen what the theatrical cut was for Superman 2. I've only ever seen the Donner cut. I don't know if there's really any difference to it or, or how big a difference There's a huge is. difference. There's a huge difference. I'm sorry to cut you off with that, but yeah, the Donner cut is a huge difference from the original one. Um, I'm honestly surprised you didn't um, know the difference because like super, the Superman movies are like up there with like greatest movies of all time in those lists a lot of time. Um, so... Um, but yeah, no, nah, uh, just like you, my first introduction to the character was, uh, through those, those, uh, Richard Donner movies, those original ones. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Hollywood video, but like I would rent the shit out of those movies. Same with Blockbuster when I was a kid. Uh, and, um, yeah, I would also say the animated series too. I love the animated series, love Batman the animated series, and it just really just was my big introduction to those characters. I have a lot of like strong memories connected to Superman and just the DC universe in general. But, you know, as we move forward, Jay, are you curious? How do we rank our media? I am, Damon. Please tell me, tell me about how we rank our media on the show. Well, thank you for asking. Okay, so we rank the media by its story its story, uh, the impact it's had on the character or the comic book world and its visuals. All of this will help us figure out if it'll stand the test of time. Uh, with that out of the way, let's dive in. So the basic summary of The Man of Steel is that it's a 1986 superhero comic book miniseries 
reintroducing Superman into a post-crisis universe. Written and drawn by John Byrne, the series was presented in six issues, which were inked by Dick Guardano. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, you know, and as a little note, just to give more information and context, Jay, I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, one of the big things that they wanted to do with reintroducing Superman is that they kind of just wanted to just clean house. Like, at this point, there was a super cat, a super dog, a super horse, a super monkey, <laughs> a super cousin, a super baby. What all the fuck? shit. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. Um, yeah, it was back when comics were weird. What? Why did that happen? Like, what? What was the motivation behind doing that? Behind cleaning house or having all those extra things? Why? Who thought that it was worth doing all those different types of side characters? Well, it was uh back when comics weren't taken that seriously, and uh, they just wanted to have just random sci-fi stories and just random shit. It was around, like, the 70s when they started having more of a basic continuity. Um, same could be said about a lot of other DC characters. And uh, there's also the whole conversation of Earth 1 and Earth 2 and all that other type of stuff. And it just got so convoluted that they really couldn't tell what was really going on. So this is what the consensus of Crisis was. It was basically just, like, just clean house, get more serious, and uh, just figure out, like, like have a new... Um, new fan base almost, uh, and also Crisis was kind of made as like a love letter to the DC universe. Uh, now, I now, tell me if I'm wrong here. Then, we're around the heart and soul time of the Silver Age era of comics. Then, correct? Um, I don't really know my ages, but I think Silver Age was earlier than this, uh, around the era where they were doing wacky so, shit. So, so what? era would you define this time as well technically this would be the modern age at least like what we're covering right now because the modern age is around po is post-crisis all the way until i want to say 2010 really yes it's called the modern at least age for, for dc long. um well dc and even marvel at the time because the ages are for all of them but a lot of the times dc kind of set the tone for those uh ages um, and then Spider-Man when Gwen Stacy died also set the tone for a couple of different ages too. So that's a whole other conversation. If I'm wrong, it sucks. Can someone like uh, clear this up within the comments or even when you leave us a review or just shoot us a message on our socials? Um, but yeah, uh, you know, they just wanted to clean house with all of that. Uh, which, you know, I don't really blame them because it was getting a little too convoluted having all that shit. So the main consensus that they wanted to do is that they wanted to make him the sole survivor of Krypton. Only. Like, no Supergirl, no nothing. Um, which is even more wild because, uh, Jay, I don't know if you know about this, but, like, we didn't have a real Supergirl in DC Comics until around 2006 or 2003. Oh, I can, I can totally believe that until the, the mid-2000s. I can completely believe that uh, around the time when they probably thought would make it more interesting yeah to add someone else from krypton and of course try to get more more yeah. girls to read comic books which i i'm very glad for i i enjoy supergirl a lot as a character yeah. um but it doesn't surprise me too much that it wasn't until like mid 2000s for them to finally decide to do that yeah I mean, it's even more interesting because uh, prior to that, we technically did have a Supergirl in the 90s, but she wasn't his cousin. She was like this weird alien goop monster thing that took the appearance what? of Supergirl. Her she was called the Matrix, but she became like uh, Supergirl. And then she also merged with this girl named Linda Danvers. It was some weird 90s shit. That is so interesting that it's called the Matrix as well, because I, I have a couple things on that when we get into this comic yeah um, but if you would like to take the reins damon and, and lead us into how this comic starts yeah of course of course um you know one more thing what was your initial thoughts i know you touched on them a little bit but like what would you say your just flat out initial thoughts were in general on it uh from when i opened the comic onward yeah well uh from what i can remember i thought that the the line art the penciling was fantastic I thought that the art was so beautiful. I love the greens. I mm -hmm. I loved the way how they depicted Krypton. I was so mm -hmm. I was so confused 
to be honest with you with where we were exactly. I I didn't realize that we were being introduced at to Jorel at this moment. And also, I had it in my notes here, but he had named the robot something weird. Kellex. Kellex. Who names a robot Kellex? They're aliens, Jay. Yeah, but what is that? What what was a Kellex? You know what I mean? If if it makes you feel better, Kellex is still around in the comics as a robot in the Fortress of Solitude. No kidding. That is awesome. Yes. Why is it that there isn't like a giant Kellex fan club? I mean, y- is he not that popular oh. of a character? Why why isn't it that I didn't get to see him in a Snyder cut? I mean, you did technically see him in the Snyder movies and Man of Steel. He was there. What as? Wait, what? He he was the alien, the the the, the robot thingy in the in the Man of Steel. Those that movie that was helping uh, Jor-El and Lara. Did they ever call him by that name? Yeah, they did. I'm pretty sure. No, fucking way. He would be the guy that put the alien in, cause it, cause you know the this. It's clear that. Uh, the animated series pilot is just ripping took a lot. all of this. Yeah. Why isn't it that Kellex, Kelex? Well, they made well they made Kellex Brainiac in the animated series. Remember? Holy shit! That's right. He's always been there. He didn't feel nearly See? as important this go around though. See exactly. I think he was just there to like just progress the story and tell you how science forward they were. Um, you know, I bef- hmm. what, since you mentioned the art, which I actually had in my notes, that was the first thing that got me. It really was freaking breathtaking. Um, the line work, the way he draws people, and on top of that, the way he drew children later on in the book. John Byrne is not known for drawing kids well, and he actually did a good job drawing the kids in this book. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, just wow. Um, also, listeners, I recently got a volume of it. The reason why we're covering this today is because uh, I actually got a volume of this uh, as a Christmas gift from my friend Blake. Shout out to Blake. Uh, and oh, I hey, started Blake. reading it. Started reading it. And uh, yeah, I always wanted to cover this with Jake. I remember years ago when we were talking about Superman in general, and I was telling you about this book. Um, and yeah, I just thought it'd be a good thing to show, uh, cover on the show. But let's hop into it. We've been talking uh, long enough. Okay, so the bon- so the volume that I got as a gift actually started with a foreword dedicated to everyone that inspired the generation of Superman. John Byrne actually listed almost every single person who's ever played Superman, Lois Lane, or any of the people. It was really sweet. Um, as you move onward, uh, basically you notice that Krypton is on the verge of destruction. Um, we're there, everything's green, like Jay said. And something that I really noticed is that, like, it was very futuristic, and it, Krypton, for the first time, felt very alien. It feels like every type of iteration we see of Krypton, whether that be on screen or in comics, they kind of make it more clean and, like, pretty and maybe ethereal, whereas this one, it just feels very alien and very just scientif- scientific and very sci-fi, which, honestly, I have a lot of um, appreciation for. So basically, Jarrell has just arrived home, and he's speaking to Kellex, the robot Jay loves. Who um, names a robot Kellex? They're aliens, Jay. It just sounds like a breakfast cereal. It doesn't sound like something you would name a part of your family. It's a robot. It's not a part of the family. <gasps> then why is he in the Fortress of Solitude? That's their home, not the Fortress of Solitude. Well, you said early, like that he shows up in the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, so he yeah, must yeah, he yeah, must yeah. mean something of great deal. Uh, maybe, maybe. So how how dare you? There must be a maybe. comic out there. Someone someone will know. Like issue, you know, seven hundred number five, whatever. Oh it'll gosh. it'll be like a whole comic dedicated to just like what a kellex is and someone will let us know please someone out there if that does just exist. dedicated to what kellex does in his day-to-day life i need to know maybe that i i gotta check out the wikipedia after for kellex 
But yeah, oh go on. Gosh. So yeah, there's he's an action figure of Kellogg's though too. There is. Yeah. Wow. Well, he came with like a super like he came with Superman, but like it was, he's gold and big and everything. So he is supposed to be like a like made out of gold or like a guild. Yeah. That's wild. I like him. Yes. Yeah. I, he is becoming. He's growing on me. But go on. <laughs> yeah. So he's talking to. What is he talking about? All right. So Jarrell is basically asking Kellex about um, if the task of removing the Matrix uh, was complete. So we learn that the Matrix uh, is the housing chamber, birthing chamber thing that holds baby Kal-El, also known as Superman. And at that moment is when I realized, wait, the Matrix, that was mentioned in the Man of Steel movie. And I was very surprised about how much that movie took from this. I was surprised. I really didn't even realize it. I just thought he took a lot from uh, Birthright and some other type of shit. Um, You know, and another thing that popped up is uh, once the Matrix is described, we then learn that Krypton does not give real births. They genetically take two components of a couple and put them in the chamber to be bred and to be made. And honestly, there's so much that comes up within this short amount of time in this um, beginning chapter. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Everything's yeah, in like hyperdrive with the pace. And also the at this at great. this point, uh, Jarrell uh, has also noted their kid as as their seed. I thought that was something important to point out. He just, I thought that was weird use of a uh, language that uh, Kryptonians just have to describe their child. Exactly. It shows that they're very like developed of their humanity, which I think is something that John Byrne really wanted to showcase. Seed makes you think that we have developed in our humanity. No, I mean like, I'm not devolved, like not devolved. Well, how does it well, devolve? Is, is that the word? Like I'm saying, like uh, Krypton, basically they're away from humanity. Like they pushed that side of themselves. They were like technically advanced themselves away from humanity. Yeah, but like the last time I've heard someone use the term seed to mean children was like uh will ferrell and stepbrothers i just thought it was a wild uh use of terminology you know uh i mean i guess maybe it's to make him sound more yeah i guess like dehumanizing but still Mm -hmm. like really weird still so weird it's very weird and even science fictiony and i kind of dig it Especially the way the Kryptonians are, like, looking in just the architecture. What were you going to say? Well, something else around this time, too, because uh, Laura enters uh, in a couple of panels after this into the story. And she is, like, pissed at Jarrell for what he's doing. And that's when we learn about the planet blowing up. And the thing that confused me here about it, Damon, was... Uh, Jarrell shows this hologram of what Clark will be like when he is sent to Earth. Because that's the whole point of him trying to get him out of the pod or putting him into this whole Matrix orb is because he's trying to send him to a different planet. Mm -hmm. And it shows him in like this weird flash forward. And Laura's like... It wasn't a flash forward. What was it then? It was just a random picture or image of uh, Kansas. That's why there was different farmers behind him and everything. That wasn't actually Superman. I thought it was supposed to be because it looked an awful lot like him. Uh, no, that's why uh, she like flipped her shit. She was like, oh my God, what is that? Why are they uh, shirtless? Yeah. I just thought, I thought that was just really funny. Like uh, how like grossed out she seemed from them just like having skin exposed. There's There's... A lot of different things that are going on showing how different culturally uh, mm. Kryptonians and, and uh, humans are, even though they look extremely similar. I, th- I think was just really interesting in how they did it and well done in how they did it. So I had uh, a different voice in their head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think John Byrne was trying to say something about just humans and everything like that because Kryptonians, at least, um, based off what he what, what I'm getting from it, is that he's trying to show that like they used to be just like humans in in that regard, especially when uh, Jor-El tells Lara the reason why he's cons- like you're going to send him to Earth is because this place it reminds him of a simpler time 
in Kryptonian history. Um, and especially, I think we kind of get that because uh, we learned that the reason why the planet is dying, it isn't because like their sun is about to blow up, which I've noticed in other iterations they do. Even the Reeves one said it was something about their sun. Um, in this book, it's primarily they're the cause of their own undoing. The planet's core is uh, t- getting turning into like a certain metal and it's irradiating them. And people are dying of cancer, but it's also going to blow up. Uh, which, damn, that's actually just sad as fuck. No um, matter what they do, all of them are fucked. They can't even leave exactly. the planet at this point. Which is evident when Laura and him, because I, I uh, once again, love the dialogue. It reads very Shakespearean. Um, they're going back and forth, just like yelling at each other for a second, or at least Laura's yelling at him, and she's talking about how there's going to be a cure, and he's basically telling her that there's no other choice but for us to, like, you know, move on and send our child away. Um, and this is where I was a little surprised, where um, Laura insinuates, uh, well, when he, t- when he tells uh, Laura about sending him to Earth, uh, and then tells her about how he's going to have powers because of the sun. She insinuates, so wait, is he going to rule over the humans? Maybe he'll like live a good life doing that type of stuff. And I'm like, damn, that was your first thought? <laughs> Laura's got a lot going on, I, I will say. She's very uh, emotional, I guess, right now. I would be too. Um, I just think Laura's very fun of a character. Uh, yeah, we we learned a lot about her her as a character. And we learned about both of them within this short amount of time, and honestly, I think uh, up until this point, John Byrne was the first to actually spend some time with Jor-El and Lara prior to this them sending him off. Seriously? Um, yeah. And then on top of that, uh, I think the one line that really stuck out to me that was very tragic and really told a lot about the dialogue was that when Lara said, um, brought up how damn how how are we supposed to live without knowing the touch of my child's hand just tragic um but you know long story short we all know the story they then send him off and instead of us seeing the crash land it feels like a movie and we jump cut to before you before you go to that damon i just wanted to talk about again a little bit about the art of the explosion of krypton and also the uh rocket being sent off just really briefly I just loved the art that was done, uh, again, by, by the amazing people who wrote this comic. It really does like look like something even now that I would want to like hang up on a wall. Like The art is just really well done and so well detailed, exactly. and the, the brilliant use of, of colors. Uh, the saturation was just perfect for it to like really stick in your mind. I enjoyed it a lot. But yes, go on. Exactly. You know, we cut over to Smallville. It's present. Well, I wouldn't say present day. Well, maybe it is. I don't fucking know. Uh, he's the star quarterback. I love when they do this type of stuff. Uh, basically, the coach is talking to Pa Kent about how Clark is a star. He's great. He's going to be like, you know, potential to join the professionals, all that type of stuff. And the entire time, Jonathan Kent isn't really paying attention to what the coach is saying. And basically, he says, like, well, wait, the other kids don't look like they're having fun podcast is thinking about how the other kids are feeling and the fact that Clark is basically hogging the ball in the football game and the coach is a fucking dick uh he then is like oh don't worry about them they're just jealous your son is a star um and basically the game ends and podcast kind of like yanks him up and is like we gotta go listen listen I gotta talk to you uh and they get inside the car and it was at this moment I realized the pacing really is just like just going and it's not, it doesn't feel rushed. It just, it knows what it's setting out to be. And they get in the car, they start talking, and uh, Pa Kent basically said that he's disappointed in him about him using his powers to show off. And he ultimately then decides to tell him something. He drives into a field, and in the field was his uh, spacecraft. And um, it was at this point that he tells Clark that he is adopted and that they found him. Uh, and I know that in some iterations of, you know, Superman, he, he already knows he's adopted or he doesn't know he's, he's adopted at all. And personally, I really like the adopted and no, I'm not adopted, like him not knowing he's adopted. He should kind of already have an idea that he's adopted or, or something, right? Because they, they show these flashbacks of him having his powers uh, up until this point of conversation. 
So I, th- I think it was kind of like messed up to even begin with, with him being on the football team. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, just so irresponsible uh, of what he has. Uh, and also, I, I just thought it was kind of funny that he had no idea that there was something different about him, I guess. You know, like his parents didn't have any powers or no one else around. I would have assumed a lot earlier on, I guess, of, of something or wanted to question more of where I came from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a little wonky was is all. Um, Honestly, with I that reveal. That. But I, I, I... Oh, go on. No, go ahead. No, if you have more to add on this topic, I, I was just going to move on. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that, like, I honestly feel like um, if they would have just did it where his powers, like, just manifested then or something like that, or just got he just got stronger every day. Well, I, I was going to say that despite all of that, I do love the flashbacks that they have here of uh, Jonathan and Martha. Uh, especially when they reveal Kal-El in, like, the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, just surrounded by... I-, I couldn't even tell you what at the time when it was when he was in, like, Embiotic this... Embiotic fluid or some crap? Something. Like, some sort of It looked so sci-fi shit. It like, did, and it looked so creepy. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I lo- that, that's what I put in my notes, too. I like that type of creepy air to it, and it also shows... It does a good job of like portraying how big of a heart the Kents had because Martha Kent did not give a fuck. She was like, "Okay, it's a baby. Listen, we got to make sure that it's okay." What is with all the? Well, no, the, like I noticed how different, too, that she had acted in response to how Laura was. Both of them very caring mothers, wanting to be with their child or with this child, um, mm. but it, it it seemed, uh. Like, she was a lot more heartwarming than, than Laura is, in my opinion, uh, straight off the bat. Maybe it's just more optimism, because, like, like we were talking about a couple of seconds, like, a couple of minutes ago, uh, the people of Krypton, the way that their society has, like, been made like been made and put together, we don't know a lot. I'm assuming later on we probably will learn more. But in the little bit that we learn, we know that they've they basically do everything on that planet. They control mm. everything. Cause even Lara says that they can control the rain if they wanted to, they use science so much to do everything. And even, I think one thing I forgot to touch on the notes is that at the end, Jarrell basically says, I love you to her for the first time because in their society, they don't express the word of love to each other and their significant others. I and thought children that aren't made from love. So I think it's maybe that, and, like, I don't know. I think it's just uh, – that, that's a good point. I didn't even think of it like that. Um, Wow. Um, So after um Clark – Pa can't tell Clark, Clark this. Clark is kind of just shook, and he walks closer to, to towards the ship. In the small corner of the panel, you'll see, like, a little green rock, and he just feels weak. It's kryptonite. Uh, basically, the irradiated shit from his, pre, from his uh, home planet. Great, nice little quick introduction, blink if you miss it type of thing. And then they leave, it's raining, and there's a panel where there's someone, in a shadowy figure, that's watching them. We don't know who it is. No idea. Know. Um. So, you know, and then he gets home, he apologizes, and he's like, you know what? I think it's time for me to figure out what I want to do with my powers. I want to help people. I want to do some good with my powers. I deserve that. Like the whole, you know, speech. With great power comes great responsibility, Clark Kent. Yes. Yes. And before he leaves, um, he says he has to go see someone. Now, I'm already, I think I know who it is that he's going to go see. Who's that? And I'm assuming we're going to probably learn later on within the miniseries. Who do you think Uh, it was? Well, do you want to know who it is? Yes. Yeah. Tell me. Uh, I think it's Lana Lang. Lana Lang. Ooh, that would be really cool from Smallville. Yeah. Yeah, because like, um, because uh, another cool thing is that each issue in this miniseries has like a really cool cover that like kind of tells you what this issue is about. Because issue two is like a Lois Lane issue. Issue three is where he meets Batman for the first time. Uh, and then issue four is where he you meet Lex Luthor for the first time. Like, each issue has this really cool cover. Love all the covers that John Byrne put together for this. Um, and then I think Lana gets one cover later on within the miniseries. I haven't read the issue yet, so I don't know. Um, all right. Let's go to chapter two. The exposure. 
like I said previously, you guys, this whole book is broke up into three chapters. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so, been you know, three years now. Three years. They tell or, us that? It, I, I didn't even put do that math. Three years has passed since. Uh, and also, I want to point out, uh, before mm-hmm. we get in a bit more to chapter three, at the end of chapter two, um, Clark says that he's going to like go on his own. He's going to like learn responsibility, and he's going to leave for a little while. Um, but he's still in uh, football. You know, like, or not even just football. He's still in high school. So is, he's just going to leave high school? He's not even going to graduate? Clark, get your priorities straight here. Get that I, Get that diploma. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that it was him saying that. Obviously, he finished school, but he's like, okay, afterwards, I'm going to, like, dip. It could have meant like that. Um, it could have meant like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it could have been that. And then on top of that, I also want to say I like how they even – it, it kind of reminded me of Batman. Because, um, like, essentially, this is technically Superman's year one. Because uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman had their own year one books, quote-unquote. Batman year one came around the same time as this book. Uh, George Perez, Wonder Woman, came around the same time as this book. And then Man of Steel was this book. Um, so that's interesting that he actually had to go away for a couple years. And it's even more interesting because by the time we see him next and when he becomes superman he's 25 see that that's where i might have messed up in my notes here um Mm -hmm. what i meant was uh, three years uh, into him being in metropolis living in metropolis at this point so he's been he's been far from home uh for the past couple of years and uh martha and john are super old now they look so much older even though it's been such yeah. a small period of time, holy shit! But you know what? They, are, I, I'm assuming they already were old. Like, actually, you know what? Then again, it was the '80s, so like there was more. Like there's like a different idea of what parents or people at different ages would look like. Like for example, people that were in their 40s look like they are 75 back in the '80s. <laughs> you yeah, tell them how you really feel. Listen, listen, listen. M- maybe we're just too young. Maybe that's it. That could know. be it. We could be just stupid, dumb little uh, baby 20-somethings that yeah. don't really get it. Gen Zers. Ugh. Gross. We're Gen Zers. How does that make you feel? I don't want to think about it. I don't like thinking about it. That's not why <laughs> I'm here. I'm not here to think about that. I'm here to think about fucking Superman. Listen. And, okay, so, you know, we see John Kent and Martha Kent, like uh, Jay mentioned, <laughs> and Pa Kent isn't dead. In other directions, he's dead. Uh, all right, so, basically, uh, Martha Kent, she's making a whole scrapbook, and John's asking, why are you making this scrapbook? And this is the part that had me laughing. She ba- John then suggests, okay, well, if we have a burglar, what the fuck are they going to think? And Martha then is like, well, they think I'm an old lady who collects disaster news clippings that barely didn't ha- that didn't happen. That's a little morbid. That's a little kind of fucked up, Martha. I just think I'm a sad old woman worried about exactly. the world, which is fair enough, especially from what she reads in the newspaper, because holy shit, this is like a national tragedy, pretty much, that is, that is shown exactly. here. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, oh. Do you want to say what that was, though, Damon? What was in the newspaper? Oh, what was in the newspaper? It was mysterious Superman saves the space plane. Uh, and then you know they're like kind of shook, and they hear someone upstairs, and they then run upstairs, and then in their son's bedroom is Clark giving them a heart attack. First of all, oh. Clark, why the fuck are you like sneaking up on them? This had me dying, dude. The the way how they made it, him look. Holy shit! Yeah, dude. They for wanted no reason. They wanted a piece of me, pa. They wanted a piece of me. Like, holy shit. Like, what has happened? Because you, you get, like, a, a, so kind of like a photo uh, depicting what has happened, uh, like, for the headline in the newspaper when Martha, like, shows it to John and the audience and shit. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, what the f- Like, it, it kind of makes me feel like, uh, oh, my goodness, can I even say this? It, ma- it, just, it just makes me feel like a, a huge national tragedy has just happened. Uh, <laughs> I'll say it like that. That's that's the way I'm going to choose my words. Wow. Uh, uh, oh, is it what? Uh, oh, 
Wow. So okay. like, what is Clark Looking just seeing? Looking for new seen? co-hosts, y'all. What? Looking for new what? co-hosts. What? I didn't even what because I'm I can I can articulate a different way of of bringing up. That Donaldson, I'll say. Bringing I'll say up it. that terrible things have happened within. That that is terrible. That that is terrible. That I, terrible wow. things have happened. That is a fact. Look it up. That, 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 do that terrible things happen? I can ask Alexa. I'm sure she'll say yes. Terrible things do happen. Good things happen too. Yes. Good things happen too. Mm-hmm. Fellow soups, they do. But you, they do. But you know what? You're absolutely right. And on top of that, it's weird because also that means Martha is like sitting there looking through all the terrible parts of the n- newspaper. And my thing is though, does she like ever like just get scared or just like just like bothered when when reading some of those? Because she has to read those to get to the ones where Superman saved the day. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so after he says that, we then have like a little flashback. Cue the chimes, those things, and the flashback is what happened at the scene. So we see the space plane. Uh, it's being launched. It's a huge event. There are civilians and everywhere. They're, they're all outside watching. Clark is there just because he wanted to watch it, uh, which I think that was really sweet. Like how they, they, he said he was just there to watch. He didn't think nothing would happen. You thought that was cool. sweet? What was sweet about it? I think it was cool that like he didn't think nothing bad would happen, and it just shows that like okay, yeah, he's just a dude. He just oh, just just enjoying cool just enjoying his day like any any normal person would. Just saw that this show was happening, decided to walk by it, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and then you know, uh, we see well, he, he's telling them that like a civilian craft cr- crashed the side of the giant space shuttle slash plane ship thingy and bobber and uh it caused it to like get fucked up um then we see that lois lane is on the aircraft also i gotta say lois lane well, well no my bad john byrne draws lois lane very very well gives her a bob and then also maybe i'm speaking from seeing like from just reading the second issue he even draws her with like all this different type of style and like different outfits and all this other type of shit it's interesting, and it's honestly great seeing an artist take that much detail in creating his world and how his characters should look. I agree. Love I loved how she looked here, too. I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dialogue, mm-hmm. I thought, was really uh, funny during this point, too, when um, when they show Lois Lane and the pilot um, during yeah. this event, and just uh, the fact that the pilot thinks now is the time to, to make some joke uh, to Lois as the plane's, like, crashing. What, what what I don't remember that I forgot about that. Yeah, he says, um, "Oh, do I have it down in my notes? I don't have the full uh, quote in my notes. I should have put it down. Dang." Uh, but he had said something along the lines of, "Well, you were hoping to get a scoop today, Miss Lane. Uh, this is probably the biggest you'll get if you survive it. That is, or whatever the fuck." Said and says like such a weird nonchalant gag as they're uh, plummeting towards their imminent death. I thought that was interesting, because why do you think that that's appropriate right now, sir? Um, and But then Lois Lane kind of also goes along with it, and it kind of just made me think of uh, cheesy, gimmicky writing that I've heard in, like, uh, classic Saturday morning cartoons, like uh, Ninja yeah. Turtles or... Uh, G.I. Joe, Transformers, um, you know, and, and any of that kind of stuff along those lines. So I just thought it was really interesting uh, how different dialogue has changed over time, you know, because uh, I don't think any sort of dialogue like that would really be used in any comics now from DC during an event like this, you know. They would probably treat it way different. True. Uh, I, just something I thought to really add here with our first introduction to, to Lois into this new series of comics of Superman. I feel like uh, even though she's only there for like two pages, um, he makes up for it in the next issue because that whole issue is primarily told from her her perspective. Yeah, you, you were um, telling me about that. I thought that was interesting. We really should uh, talk about that sometime in the future, too. Yeah, we might. Who knows? Who's to Who knows? say? Who's to say? Um, so, you know, uh, basically Superman, he flies up, mind you, actually take that back. Not Superman. Cause he doesn't have a suit yet. He's not even calling himself Superman no. yet. It's just Clark in a leather jacket. 
and he flies up. He saves the plane. The plane is named the Constitution. Um, and, you know, basically he drops it down. And before he can get up and fly away, Lois Lane yells out. And the way she's drawn, she looks so angry. Like, hold up, bitch. Where the fuck do you think <laughs> you're going? And she tells him, well, she says, where do you think you're going, Buster? And she walks over to him. But before she could, like, it, the way it's drawn, her anger turns into, like, oh. It's like they have, like, this, like, sexual chemistry, this whole, like, sexual tension. Well, and even Clark says this, kind of, to his parents. I didn't pull, see it so much as sexual, just but at the very least romantic. The way yeah. how he describes uh, looking into her eyes, I thought was very poetic. I thought it was really beautiful. I thought the mm-hmm. art did a really great job of illustrating that as well. Uh, it yes. really helped me feel more engaged into that moment as I was reading. I, I, that was the, the part that really stood out to me the most were these couple of panels of, of Clark and Lois like looking at each other for this brief time, not even talking. I, I that was the biggest thing that I took away from this comic. I loved that moment a lot. I I, I love it too. I, I wish there was a movie that actually captured that, or something to actually <laughs> capture that moment. Because I don't think anything successfully has done it the way that this did. I would say the only thing that has been close enough to doing it, I would give it to uh, Superman and Lois, the show that's out currently, and I'd even give it to maybe even. Um, Richard Donner movies, but it still seemed like a little too passive an interaction. However, they still had that chemistry when they first met after he saved her from the helicopter in that movie. Um, one more thing I want to add, and then we can move forward, is mm. how old is Lois? Because Clark, when he's describing her, he says he's seen her on talk shows. He's also read a lot of her columns, and she's an established reporter at this point. How old is Lois? Because they've already established that Clark is 25. So it would Lois be 25 as well, or she'd be a little bit older than him? I think she would probably be a bit older because she's been a bit more established into Metropolis at this point. Um, I don't know why I think the two would correlate, but I feel as though they probably would. Um, I don't think much older, though. Uh, I, I guess the reason why I think that is just because she does have such a a, a huge following like you're saying like her being on shows and and it's clear that she is very popular to be a part Mm -hmm. of uh getting a story for this event alone um and i think with something like that would just come with getting more experience over time uh but who's to say maybe she could be fucking 25 for all i know they don't they don't say in this comic maybe they do in the later ones i'm not sure but i'm gonna say she's older i guess based off of my own strange uh inferences i got you what do you think i i don't know i know that in some adaptions and even just things that they have in comics sometimes they do illustrate her as maybe a little older or the same age as him um i would say this lois i would give her maybe like a couple years maybe like two years older and why are you thinking that uh, based off of, how, like you said, how established she is and everything, because, like, then again, she could establish herself by the time of 25. That is a possibility. I don't know. know like, we don't she, know. I don't um, know. I, she could be She could be uh, even younger. I doubt that, though. Maybe, like, 24. I doubt that, though. Yeah. I really do doubt that. But and, um, yeah. who's to say? Yeah, who's to say? I will say that um, another thing about Lois Lane, I don't know if you know about this or not, but, like, her dad is a huge general. Um, she's an army brat. Oh no, kidding! Really? And that's for like all iterations of Lois Lane. All of them, even yes. the Zack Snyder one. Yes. Well, if- the Zack Snyder one never touched on it, but like, Lois in the comics, her dad is a military dude, and even she in, doesn't have the best relationship with him. Even in, in Lois, the animated and, series, they touched on it. Even in Lois and Clark. Yes. Even in the Donner movies. I don't remember that in the Donner movies. I want to say yes because uh, they brought up her sister in the Supergirl movie. Okay, well, that's the Supergirl movie. I'm talking about, like, Superman 2. Moving on. Ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh Uh-huh. Let us know, listeners at home, because I sure as shit don't remember these movies that well. Shit, I would be surprised, too, if they mentioned it in the Donner movies. Or the... Because Donner didn't do all the movies, but like I need those Christopher Reeve movies. 
Yeah, um, at, at least the yeah, I get you. Yeah. Okay, so let's moving on. Before either of them could even speak, the media basically crowd around Clark and Lois. Everyone's and everyone's like, over them. Not even the media, but also just people in general, because they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, and you know, this is where Clark basically says that it scared him. And I'm just bringing light to this, Jay, because I'm gonna this ties into my fun fact later on. Um, it scared him and that he actually took some time and sat on a mountain to think about it. And basically he had anxiety over it, but also it was the fact that like these people, like it was just like kind of the shittiest side he's seen of humanity for the first time almost. Well, um, I, I, I wouldn't even worry about that. I would just worry about the fact that there's so many people now that just have this identity, you know, mm-hmm. like a, the, the whole thing on secrecy, secrecy played a big, important chapter to this issue um and and one thing i put in my notes is oh my god what about lex luther you know is he gonna figure out from this incident uh who superman is uh who's going to take this information because this this has to be something where it's going to backfire really bad um so yeah i can i i can imagine that but i can't i think that's also kind of interesting that it's done on a mountain um this whole idea of of him always finding the solitude in the mountains i mean granted yeah he built this whole fortress fortress out in the middle of this like frozen tundra of mountains what in like what is it north pole south pole what is it one of the two it it is one of the poles or or was it antarctica i don't remember that's what i i have no clue you're the superman fan Listen, I, I you know it depends. That that stumped me. I know it's like in the freaking cold areas. Well, oh, yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I but, I think that's really cool because I've seen that done in other stuff. Like, uh, Batman v Superman's the the first thing that can come to my mind, or Justice League, or whichever one had him do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that that's really cool. Uh, that consistency with the character it must mean something. But go on, tell me. Um, you know, it was interesting. Um, just the idea of him being scared of that, I think that was a big deal, too. So then we moved to the epilogue, which is our final chapter in there. Which I did not expect an epilogue, Damon, let me tell you. I, I, when I was reading on, I was like, holy shit. I feel like this is a really good issue. Like, anyone you can just hop on to and get a good idea of what's happening. Um, and it's actually even weirder that, like, this was, like, the opening issue to the, the whole miniseries, because in all honesty, this feels like this could have been something that was stretched out between a whole miniseries. But I'm glad that they didn't do that. Me too. Um, so, you know, in the epilogue, Ma Kent is making his Superman suit. Um, instead of coming to, from Krypton, the F-Shield is something that him and Pa Kent put together and made. Uh, they made one for the front and a yellow one from the cape, which I love when Superman has the yellow S on his cape. It's just dope. Me too. Um, you know, my, um, Pa Kent and Clark then come up with the Clark Kent disguise. Pa Kent gives him an old pair of glasses. And I got to say, the art really does carry that because, like, I was flipping between both pages and they look like the same guy, but they look like a different guy at the same time. And, like, that's wild. Like, how could you make... Clark Kent and Superman look different, but the same. It's just the little differences in adding a couple changes in facial features, like glasses or even a different hairstyle. Um, I, I saw like a MatPat video on that, actually, like a YouTube short or something about how he was explaining that that's actually something common in real life as well. Um, and yeah. how that can be pulled off, even though it sounds so ridiculous and even though we make fun of it so much in uh, media about how it, it should be so clear that these two are the same. Um, but no, it's just those those little differences that you can add to a person just strangely can make that difference to the human eye where you don't even like blink or notice it if you don't focus on it so much. Exactly. I still feel like the whole secret identity of Clark Kent wearing glasses and his hairstyle being different, like you said, I feel like that still works because, like, if you know somebody and they change their entire, like, hairstyle and their glasses and even, like, maybe their posture just a little bit, mm-hmm. you could pro- – like, I don't know. I have, I have problems with noticing people after they change something like that sometimes. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, me um, too. I have the yeah. same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they come up with a disguise. And then that what I put in my notes here is that, like, notice how – 
he's talking about how he needs to be able to be Clark Kent as in himself as an escape from being Superman. Interesting. Um, and then this book, also unnoticed, gives us a sl- subtle blink and you'll miss it explanation for his invulnerability. Um, which is when Ma Kent is talking about the reason why the suit is skin tight because she noticed that when clothes are closer to his body, they don't get damaged. Um, if there's something farther or loose, then yeah, it would. Um, I don't know if you knew about this, Jay, but like John Byrne was in charge of kind of revitalizing Superman's power set in the, in these books. Mm-hmm. Um, he made Superman significantly um, less strong than he was previously because around the time prior to this, he was just doing outlandishly stupid shit like pushing planets and shit like that. Um, so he kind of grounded it a little bit. Um, he also gave an explanation for his invulnerability. His invulnerability was that his like physiology creates a thin field around him because of um, it's, it's some fucking sciencey shit. That's what really causes invulnerability, and also that also causes his flight as well too. That is so interesting. How much science is just needed in order to explain the different reactions that a Kryptonian has for being on this completely different planet, just because of of all these small little details. You know, they could have gone down like some magic route, I guess. You mm. know. They could have gone down even just the simplistic path of him being an alien. They could have just uh, told us that and then just kept it moving, but they didn't. Just kept it. No, they they really did put some thought into what it meant for a Kryptonian to come to Earth, which I found really cool. Uh, or at least every time when you tell me about it, I think it's really yeah. cool. Um, and the little bits and pieces like that add to the lore uh, of Krypton while also allowing the plot to, to move forward yeah. fine in this comic yeah pacing just worked really well beginning to end and the ending here was no different because you're right i i did i don't recall that from when i was reading it but that's really cool big page reveal of him in his new suit as drawn by john byrne it's like him flying it's gorgeous um also this is like a quintessential image from this run so beautiful and he basically is talking about um when people need help it won't be a job for clark kent but a job for superman on the and this generic ass now PNG used to hell yeah. logo that we've seen everywhere. But you know what? After I this point, I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's been used a million times more for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. All right. That was the end of the Man of Steel issue one. So Jay, you gave this a fourteen. Why did you give this a fourteen? Yeah. Uh. So. For me, I want to start on story. Just get let's get that out of the way, uh, and that was my lowest here, was uh, four out of five. Really? Uh, for those who who weren't here for the last episode, uh, David and I each get our own score of five on our impact story and visual. Each of us get fifteen. Total score comes out to thirty. It either has to hit around like the twenty mark. I would say roughly to meet what we would call the test of time. Underneath that, the phantom zone, we call it. Doesn't really match it. So yeah, for me, I would say the lowest for mine was that 4 out of 5 for story. Mainly because, not that not that I don't understand that this was like a reinvention of the wheel of showing this origin. Uh, I think for me personally, I'm just uh soured by the amount of times where i have seen it at this point so going in and and reading it even though i do appreciate it uh and i love the art the art is what kept this story interesting enough for me to keep reading uh the visual you know we'll get into it um is what really kept this alive but uh the story i think just for me uh made it very difficult uh to stick with it um at least at giving giving it that perfect five out of five. Okay. Uh, for you, you clearly gave it a five out of five. Damon over here gave it the full fifteen, you know, which I'm not too surprised. But also, holy crap! You know, mind you, this is actually uh, well, I read it like a week prior to us doing this episode right now, and uh, yeah, that was my first time reading it. Um, I've seen bits and pieces here and there. 
Uh, surprisingly, the first issue I read out of this miniseries was issue three, where you meet Lex Luthor. And that was because uh, I got that comic from a fucking comic book shop for only like 25 cents. And I read that shit all the fucking time. Actually, I still have it someplace. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I gave it a 15. The story really was good. I really liked the dialogue. Cause a lot of the dialogue, as, aside from that Lois Lane playing interaction, a lot of the dialogues kind of still seem very modern to me, especially Shakespearean stuff at the beginning of the book with Lara and Jorel. Um, and then my impact, I gave it a five, mainly because of just how uh, this is a really big book. This really wasn't the reinvention of the wheel. And this was like the first post-crisis Superman. Now, mind you, this isn't. I would say that for me, this is my headcanon definitive origin for him. Maybe a mixture of the other books that came out later because DC did retcon this story later on during the modern age. Twice. 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 Uh, what was the other well, time? Well, the next one was Birthright by Mark Wade. That was supposed to be the new origin. But Jeff Johns became like the golden child for DC and he released Superman's <laughs> Secret Origins. And so they retconned Mark Wade's, and Mark Wade kind of was like not kind of mad about that because it was like seriously. So they then labeled Birthright as like a whole like Elseworld story instead of it being a continuity. Whereas I kind of feel like Birthright had better, was better. That is wild. So so what other stuff has he done? Uh, Mark Wade has done a lot of different shit. He's done a huge Fantastic Four run. He's done a lot of different things with Marvel. He's done um he's written for Superman a couple of times before. Um, and he's done a lot of other things at the moment. My mind is blanking. So, but, uh, so, th- so this is like a, too. like his run on, fan- oh, 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 he's written one of my favorite, uh, Daredevil runs as well too. So this is like, this is a big deal guy. Yeah. I, I can't believe that, uh, Jeff Johns had that much pull then to just allow this, this story to become just Elseworlds. Well, you know, Jeff Johns but, was also the one who brought back Barry Allen from the dead and brought back Hal Jordan. Um, cause you know, Wally West was the flash for like a whole generation until around 2011 or no, 2010, 29, so it's 20, 2009 is when he brought back Barry Allen and then Barry Allen became the main flash again. Um, you know, like, I don't know. And, I, I, hey. and yet it's taken him this long to get a movie. So <laughs> still don't think Jeff Johns has made it that, Im- that, well, okay. Yeah. Flash is big. Flash is important. I get it. Friends, people I know like The Flash. I'm not a huge Flash fan. I don't think he's... I, I haven't read so much to say if, I, if I'm if i a huge definitive fan or not. I liked Wally um, West better, but maybe I'm just biased because I grew up watching the Justice League stuff. I don't know. See, yeah, I didn't, I didn't grow up with that stuff. I, that, was the, that was the time when I should have when I was a little kid, I mm-hmm. think. And I never moved on to it. Uh, I'm trying to now. I so am. I'm assuming your uh, impact in art and visuals was your five. Yeah, yeah. My impact, obviously, five. Like I, like I said earlier, uh, I understood it's this was an important story. This was a story that did it right and has done it right for so many people for so long. And that's why it continues to be reimagined the way that it does in other forms. Even though I'm a bit sour to it after seeing it, a couple of times cannot act as though or not appreciate or acknowledge the importance of of this first issue and probably this run um again i i've not read very much of this damon has read at least the second issue in this um but i can understand that this is very important and then yeah obviously visuals i also gave a five out of five this thing was uh visually stunning and pleasing to look at uh there was no action in this story but it didn't really need action in the story besides um, our climax with the plane blimp uh, situation. Just beautiful. And I can't, I, I'm not going to act like it's not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I 100% agree with you. That's why I gave it a five out of five of all of them. Like I will say this book really does stand the test of time and hold up because even the, like I said, the dialogue, that's what really sticking out. To, that's what's really sticking out to me in terms of like um, timelessness of it. Because I'm surprised that there's a lot of it that was pretty modern. Yeah, there's a couple things that weren't, but a lot of it, for the most part, was still pretty modern. Um, and you know what? I have my fun fact for you guys. The yes. fun fact I have is that John Byrne, the one thing that he's well known for this run for, 
is he was the one who revitalized the idea of Clark Kent is the person. Superman is the alias who he's faking to be. Uh, the whole idea of like him pretending to be Clark Kent and do all sorts of type of shit that was around prior to this, but this, but when he came on here, that's when he really wanted to show that like Clark is, for all extents and purposes, a human being. That's why I kept like bringing up like, hmm, it's interesting that he has anxiety over this. That they're really showing his humanity throughout this entire thing, and I'm pretty sure he was trying to make that connection even when he was talking about Krypton and comparing them to how the Earth people act as well too. Well, I, I would say he's done a really good job doing it so far. Um, mm -hmm. Juxtaposition between Kryptonians and humans. It, it, it's already become so interesting initially. Um, and, and and it shows. You know, the work the work shows it very well. Um, I guess it was a, a, a thing worth uh, putting a lot of time and effort into because it, it manages to still hold it. It's time with us now of a 29 out of 30. What a fun fact you had for us, Damon. Of course. But the real question is, what do you guys think, Soups? Did Man of Steel, 1986, issue one, hold up? Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, on TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on our show, so please send them our way. Please, this we want to hear what you think. We'd love it. Exactly. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Jay Hayward. Make sure you also follow Damon at his Instagram at Damon1003 and myself, the lovely Jay, at Jay the Movie Gal. See you next Saturday, Soups.